Will you help me? Get up in there. Hey, you just hush up yourself. It's just girl talk. I'll tell you what, he's not near as bad as he seems once you get to know him. It's just this job, you know, all the stress. It's his job to kill people. I really shouldn't be telling you this, but you know how you always hear these stories about these people who run everything, but nobody knows who they are, right? Well, it's true. I mean, I never would have believed it, but it's all true. I mean, who do you think killed Kennedy? Government? No, that government stuff is bullcrap. It's these people. And they've been doing this kind of thing for like a thousand or two thousand years, I forget which. And nobody, I mean nobody, knows their names. And that's who Vilmer works for. Welcome back to Retro Retro Retro. I'm your host, oh, shit. Raven J. And I'm joined with Nick. What's up, what's up? Hey, everybody. I'll give you this one instead. Thank you, Mr. Spotted. <laughs> <laughs> Those characters are awesome. All right, so it's been a fucking long time. This is August. I think yep. the last time I did a show was May, and that was with Ken. Um, listeners, I have done a couple shows. I did a couple with Needle Love, but they were kind of like, I don't know. They were kind of like, um, uh, I was just complaining the whole time about <laughs> uh, Marvel Legends, so I was like, you know, just saying fuck you to everybody. So basically those two shows were just, and then we did one too where uh, Needle Love and I were going to talk about our favorite artists or something like that. But when he started talking about art, it just like pulled me so far out of it because like he's got like this textbook, like kind of like scholarly look at art. Oh. You know, like You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the way he's talking about it, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Shut up. You know, I'm just thinking this in my head. I'm not thinking this outward because you know, I respect what he's thinking. But I know that he's been taught this shit. So it's like 
dude, I, I do it. I'm in the process of doing it. I mm-hmm. know what art is, motherfucker. You know, so it's like, I mean, and it's in the eye of the beholder too. Like, um, go into the. We'll talk about Candyman too, really quick, and then we'll go into the our topic. Because um, we gotta do a disclaimer too. But so I did do a couple shows, and it's just they didn't turn out right. So, and then um, we were gonna do a show, but you had to leave. Yeah, we had to leave. And then, like a dick. Yeah, it's okay. It, life happens. I mean. Everyone listening, your life is happening right now, right? So it's like, I appreciate you even listening to the show. Um, let's see. Uh, and then I had another special guest who was returning, but we ended up not doing a show. We just ended up hanging out because we haven't seen each other in two years. So, And then I was going to do one with uh, Van Stash this last Thursday, I think, but he, he got like a shift at work. So and then we were maybe going to do one yesterday. but So it's just been like, you know. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got lives, so it's not... It's not like fair to like blame anybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said myself, but the thing is, I never want to do a solo show. I've, I did one, and that was that soundtrack one. And I, I plan on doing another one eventually, but it's weird to me because I can't sit here and be like, listen to me. And it's like, I need someone to bounce off of, you know, and not just talk the whole fuck. I hate talking the whole time, and I do. So, do you want to talk about Megadeth? Let's do it. All right. So. The story about this CD is uh, I had this girl, I was in high, I think it was my sophomore year of high school, and this girl had just had dumped me. So I was like really depressed. And I remember going over to my friend um, Andy's house. And I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> I was supposed to go straight home, but I, I went to his house instead. And he lived like, he lived in this trailer park where uh, Ayla used to live and my sister and brother in law used to live back in the day. So there's nothing cool about Ayla. It's like we came from the same roots in a way. Um, but uh, my friend Andy also lived in that same trailer park, so I always thought that was kind of weird too. But um, I was over at his house, and we were just talking about that girl. You know, it's fucked up too. Is like he actually dated her after that, really <laughs> <laughs> fucking dick. <laughs> but um, I, was, I remember just like sitting on his couch, and we were talking about shit and blah, blah blah. And then I had to call my dad to come pick me up. So when he did, I was like, uh, "Can we go to Kmart?" And I don't, I don't know why, I just want to get something, but he let me buy a couple of CDs. So I'm trying to remember exactly what the CDs were. Oh, I do. It was Van Halen. Um, It was the one that came on the 90s that had like, uh, shit, what's that one song? What's that one Sammy Hagar? It's like, can't stop loving you. Yeah, anyway. That. I don't know. <laughs> Man, Sammy Haggard rules. All right. But then I also got Megadeth's Hidden Treasures. And the main reason I got it is because it had 99 Ways to Die and um, uh, 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 No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I was like, holy shit. Yep. But it also only had like six songs on it or five. <laughs> yeah, so. this is a very short album. Um released in 95 yeah i think it's only like 30 minutes long um but i think like f- this whole album i think has like uh they're in movies as yeah. soundtracks yep so um i think problems was that from um last action hero or was that angry again angry again was from last action hero we'll just start from the beginning so um are Go, go, go ahead. Okay, so this is the 12 track. Um, I think this is the deluxe version. Mm-hmm. I know there was a, a version before, because I had the, the normal one. 
And I remember later I found out there was one with um, Anar- Anarchy in the UK in it. I think that was the European version or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I found all that through downloading and stuff. But So, this album has uh, a toot, a tout le monde. Mon? A tout le monde. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's not it. There it is. I don't really like this song. You don't? Nah. This. I love Megadeth, but I don't love all Megadeth. Like, I love their hits and maybe a few other songs, but then everything else kind of meshes together. And it's like. But the thing about Dave Mustang is like, you know, I can't deny his fucking finger. His fingers. <laughs> I said that wrong. But it's just like I know what you mean. He's, like, he's a he's a fast fella. Yeah, and like even he even says like he doesn't even know that he's doing it sometimes. You know, like it's just almost supernatural to him. So, um, I remember you were telling me about uh, tell me the tell me what you told me about Alice Cooper that story about that. Oh, his being a Godfather. Or something. Yeah, how uh, he was touring with Alice Cooper, and then. Uh, he was talking about uh, religion and all that stuff because Dave eventually found God and religion. And uh, um, I don't know, I don't remember how it came across, whether he asked or Cooper offered, but he became his godfather. And when, uh, you, when you first mentioned that to me, I was like, I was thinking of Dave going up to him, I was like, Will you be my daddy? Will you, yeah, will you be, will you be my godfather? Like, and uh, uh, he, we, Alice became a mentor to him and. Um, Somebody he really looked up to, and uh, he became his godfather. So, I think this is like a oh yeah demo of something. Yeah, like so this is a great. I mean, he gets a lot of shit for his vocals. This is an album where he sounds really tight. Um, yeah, seventy destruction. In uh, this one, and in just uh, hidden treasures in general. Um. But euthanasia. Yeah, I met Dave Mustang twice. He's a really cool guy. Nice. Uh, a lot of people that met him said he was a complete dick. Um, yeah, I've always heard that. So. But when I, I met him when he was a lot older in his life, and um, the guy was actually very humble and very funny. Um, he was a great guy, and uh, yeah, I respect him a lot. I um I respect him more because <clears throat> he talks about like those things that I like to talk about. Like New World Order, which is the next, or not the next song, but. This song always reminds me of Terminator 2. It just, if you read the lyrics, you, you'd think of a Terminator movie. So, this is one of my favorite songs. New World Order? Obviously, because of the fucking title, but he says a lot of things in it. Yeah. And um, that's another thing, too. Like, when you listen to interviews with him, he talks about this stuff all the time. He's been talking about it since the 80s. Like, with Peace Sells Who's Buying, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean I don't believe in God? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the song. 
just even like that's the thing about Megadeth it's just like their guitar riffs are really catchy and I I don't know I just always I don't know they're really hard to play yeah <laughs> I've tried <laughs> <laughs> fuck you Megadeth <laughs> it's like god damn I'm gonna go play Sandman <laughs> yeah and then no more Mr. Nice Guy from Shocker uh, the director from the music video was so pissed off at Megadeth because how high and drunk and just stoned they were they could <laughs> not function to create this music video and <laughs> they got it done but yeah, it's, it's it, when it comes to studio time and people and they just come freaking trashed yeah that goes along that's with Megadeth a, that reminds me of um uh, interview with Bam Margera I just uh, saw with um, Steve-O because they're both older now and blah 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 and Steve-O is like more of a pussy now he's like uh, you know I don't really believe and it's like dude fuck you you're out there fucking blowing your nuts off you're like you can't can't tell anybody not to do that shit fuck you hypocrite but Bam Margera is like talking about like you know I used to fucking do all this stuff and now I'm being condemned for it it's like what the fuck and it's like yeah but that's the thing too like I always love Bam Margera's stuff but I always I would never want to be his friend in real life you know just you've been fucked with every fucking second I'm like fuck I can't do this yeah I probably would have killed him friends. <laughs> and that's the thing too I, I love Brandon DiCamillo and I know they're not friends anymore so it's like anyway so yeah um, there needs to be a horse pinker figure uh, NECA what the fuck is wrong with you what are you doing you're leaving money on the table idiots yeah NECA couldn't get a lot done uh, break. Oh, no more. Mr. Oh, yeah, we just did that. <laughs> break point. This is my least favorite song on this album. Is break point. Problems is mine, but this was. No, problems is. Yeah, you're right. I like. See, like, yeah, from going from no more Mr. Nice to get from on down. I think they're out of order from the original CD, but um, this was like a lot of the Megadeth I got into because I I knew Symphony of Destruction. But I only really like three other songs on that. I wasn't a big fan. Cause I, I don't know, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not a true metalhead. Because I'm so diverse with everything. Like I don't know, I love me- I love metal. I love but I love so many other things too, so it's like I don't put my like, exit in be- all in one basket, I guess. That's <laughs> another whole fucking topic there. These fucking elitists out there like, oh name five songs from the band that you're wearing. You know, like dude. I'm wearing a shirt from the band I like. I don't need to prove to you that I know the albums. Trust me, I do. But yeah, but like you're right though. Like even if you're like you like the music, you like a few of the songs. That's that's good. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's not about like I got people that give me shit. Like oh, do you know uh, you know nailing point whatever. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? Oh, so you're no metalhead. You don't even know that band. You listen to Guar? No, fuck Guar. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I suppose you listen to Rob Zombie, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I do. I guess I'm stereotyping. I also love White Zombie. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's what I like, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they even goes back to Power Man. Like, I love um, Heroes and Villains. It's a totally cheesy song, and it's a product product, product of its time. But I still listen to it today. Like, it still resonates with me. Like, even the lyrics, but. Um, I was just that front row for Power Man 5000 and man he was fucking awesome nice spider 
uh, Go to Hell. Go to Hell is an amazing song, and this is the one that has that awesome music video I told you about. Yeah. It's like this, man. It's like just clips like this. I don't think you watched the right one. I, I watched the one that it, it almost reminded me of Enter Sandman. Like, uh, that's what I'm saying no, here. Dude, it's like clips from all the movies we watch. Huh. All right, here, let's look it up really quick then. But yeah, I love the song. I mean, I remember like when I was a teenager, it was a little more risque to listen to it because of like the lyrical content, because of the satanic verses mm-hmm. and shit. But... You know, I don't really think that deep into it, but that's the thing about Dave Mustang. It's like he wasn't being satanic; he's just talking about satanic things. He was bringing it to attention. And that's another thing too. Is like when people talk about all this shit, like they don't they talk about if it's not real, and whether it's not or it is. You know, that's that's the thing. You gotta respect the people talking about it, whether you believe it or not. Fuck you. You know, just let them talk. And that's another thing too. It's like, yeah, people believe in all kinds of dumb shit. Just let them do it. As long as they're not fucking killing anyone or fucking, you know, raping your daughter, let's just let them fucking do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's many more examples I could give, but that's the one you went with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. Da, 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 da. Go to hell. This one? Yeah, right there, man. Look at that. It's all. It's. Oh, okay. It looks like. Oh. So we don't have dual audio here. <laughs> go to hell! Go to hell! Go to hell! Go to hell! Yeah. I'm not seeing no horror movie clips. Are you just talking about the cinema? The cinema, oh, yeah, okay. it's you know that. Yeah, it's because that's that's what it because it, it was around the same time frame as Enter Sandman as well, like maybe a year off, but they have similarities too. I mean, with the now I lay me down to sleep shit, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's both the songs, but you know, there's parallels between Megadeth and Metallica. Obviously, there always will be, but. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like this video was like a big copy of that for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I never really watched their videos too much. <laughs> hey, Satan. <laughs> hey, Foxy Brown. Yeah. Um, Wake Up Dead's my, that's, that's the one I like the most. Uh, I always think about the song. It's an awesome song, Wake Up Dead. I always think about the song when I drive by my old house. Because I'm like, it's four in the morning. I just too much I've drink. had too much to drink. Set out out the boys. Yeah, because I always because I still have a key to that old house. I could just probably go and go. <laughs> but like I always think about that, like waking, going there drunk and waking up dead. I don't know. I just for some reason I always think about that house. But okay, yeah, we're not gonna get into Megadeth. Let's uh, finish this. Okay, Angry Again's the next one. Uh, yep, that one's nice from Last Action Hero. Great song. much to say about this one it's just not a good one yeah we'll just play a little bit of it the more of you that I inspect the more of me I see reflect 
the more my hands can be experienced. And then, one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah, this song is a, it's a total thrash song. It's fast. It's got a great uh, acoustic in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a fucking cool element to the song. Just like, doom, doom, doom. Yeah. We'll get to that, people. You, you probably all heard this, right? <laughs> if you haven't, shame on you. Yeah. So a side note about this. Well, it came from the Beavis and Butthead experience. But um, I'm not sure if they have the, the vocals on here, the Beavis and Butthead at the end of it, going, that was cool. If not, I'll try oh, to find Oh, yeah. That. I remember that. But, um, yeah, uh, my friend MCK and I actually did a review of that album uh, a few shows back. And it was, it was a big part of my life in freshman year, or go eighth grade going into freshman year. Like, 99 Ways to Die was, like, my song. Like, I was so angst-ridden. I was fucking little Anakin Skywalker wanting to fucking chop off the Jedi heads, you know? I was like, <laughs> fuck school. I hate freshman year. But, um, what was I saying? Uh, da-da-da. Yeah, but this song's just fucking cool. And I remember uh, MTK had the CD, and I, I didn't. I didn't even have CD player at the time, so I had recorded onto a tape. So I would just, like, listen to a tape all the time hmm. oh yeah and go to hell uh go to hell is from bill and Ted's bogus journey oh that's right yep can't forget to mention like that. i said man this is like their mainstream album here uh paranoid uh ozzy went on record to say he fucking hated their cover of this song fuck you fucking monster Fucking awesome though, especially the very ending. Oh yeah! Wait, shit, let's get it. Wait, what? Did I go to diatoms? <laughs> May he rest in peace. <laughs> so. And our favorite here. Yeah. Such a fucking amazing song. Demon Knight. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing I need to fucking work on, too. Um, <clears throat> I've been working on that poster for fucking three years now. But yeah, fucking awesome. Demon Knight. I'll probably watch it later tonight. <laughs> Alright, so let me get to like the... Oh, awesome. Alright, and then the last song, Problems. Which I never really cared about. I don't know why. I mean, it's a good song, but. So, anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, that's. Hidden Treasures. Hidden Treasures. Which, it also had a cool... I mean, it didn't really have a cool um, design. It actually kind of sucked. <laughs> it was like a one little sheet inlay. 
Oh, yeah. And then, like, the back was just pure yellow. It's like, there was no thought put into this, really. I mean, like, the front was like a map, like a street map. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. But anyway, so yeah, one of my favorite albums. Uh, do you, do you want to take a break, or do you want to go into movies? I'm going to movies. All right, let's do it. All right, so we're doing two movies tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. Here, actually. Let me get the um, thing, our intro thing. So we're talking about, shit, where is it? Movie. So many sound clips here. <laughs> A whole lifetime. Movie review. Hopefully this is it. Sometimes these don't have the right thing. Hey, you guys remember that movie? <laughs> yes, I've been fucking remembering this movie for like two years. I've been trying to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. August 18th, 1973. Reports of a bizarre chainsaw-wielding family began to filter out of central Texas. Then silence. For 20 long years, nothing further was heard. 1995. Prom night right, yeah. isn't turning out the way you expected. You find yourself on the wrong road at the wrong time. About to come face to face with a living nightmare. Welcome to my world. The silence <laughs> is over. He's dead now. Madness has returned. Oh! <laughs> Terrifying and brilliant. This four stars four says who? <laughs> All right, there we go. We're back. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, I have never. Uh, this came out what thirty years ago now. I have always not liked it. Um, basically, because I brought, I pulled out these Fangorias, which I thought had uh, the article I was going to f- try to show you, but. Um, they're from like 94, the Fangorias and the movie had just like been filmed and blah, blah, blah. And it was in the can. And I remember Fangoria giving it press and all that. And you know, it's supposed to be coming out, but it just kept being delayed and delayed. And I was like, is this movie ever coming out? And I remember telling my friends about it. I'm like, yeah, they're like, yeah. cause they'd always ask me shit. Cause I was the horror guy. They're like, um, yeah, it took, and I'm like, yeah, did you know there's a part four coming out? They're like, really? Blah, blah. You know, I was super excited. So finally <clears throat> I found out that, it was available on VHS. Like, it went straight to video. I, I guess there would maybe have been a theatrical run, but I didn't know of it. Same with uh, Return of the Living Dead 3. <coughs> I, heard, I heard that it had been in theaters, but I never saw press or anything. And I just found it on VHS. So, Took, so me and my friends, I was super excited. I, I remember uh, we went to Hollywood Video, and we found it. <laughs> and I didn't have a card, so I was like, please, someone rent this. So we gathered up all our money, our four bucks all together, and rented it. And it's like a group of us. I wonder if um, Eric, if you're listening, do you remember watching this? Because I think we watched it at your house. <laughs> but anyway, so we um, we watched it, and I was just like, "Eh, what the fuck?" Because it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, in part and part and parcel because something we always talk about with all these franchised movies is like we like we like them, but then when they start branching off and creating different things, it's like, come on. 
but sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't, you know. Um, this one was the one that didn't work, you know, for me. Like, I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is always my favorite. I appreciate one. I need to really revisit it. One and Evil Dead 1 are, like, two movies that I don't, I don't have a fondness for, but I should. You know, like, but, I don't know, 2, two is my favorite. And then 3, I love 3. 3 is just fucking awesome. And then four came along, and basically the movie. I'm gonna. Pl- I I I have 18 sound clips. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, dude. I fucking. This is what I'm saying. I guess this is what I'm ultimately saying is that a lot of these movies that review we we review on the shows are considered bad, right? Um, and that's what I revel in. And a lot of the stuff that's on Tubi now is like I'm getting to see the stuff that I haven't been able to see in a while, or like things that I heard of back then that, you know. Especially through Dead Pit, that that po- the old podcast, like from 2005 to 2014, they reviewed a lot of these movies, and I'm finally be able to see them without buying them and shit. You know, <clears throat> so ah, uh, this lost my train of thought. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Four. So, um, it's so dumb. Like the characters, you know, what? I like the characters. I the, I'm just gonna say this. So right off the bat, I think. The bad press from it is like what really killed it. The fact that Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey <clears throat> were like the they weren't huge stars yet. They were like maybe just short of being in Dazed and Confused, or like they had just been in that. And then this movie comes out, and they're like, um, and I think there was something to do with like the press, like uh, yep, they were trying to. Because the re-releases are the releases of their new movies coming up, and they thought it was going to tarnish their careers. And yeah, Jerry Maguire and yeah, and Days and Confused. Days and Confused or Days and Confused is before. Um, Jerry Maguire? Uh, no, it was before uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Four. I don't know what McConaughey was in. No, that's what I'm saying. Like this movie was made before it came out. I mean. <laughs> Obviously, but I mean, like it was filmed like two years before it even got any kind of release. Mm. That's what I'm. That's what I was saying. It's like I read about it in Fangoria, and I was waiting, I was waiting, waiting. But if I think it was only like a year, a year or something, I don't know. <clears throat> it didn't come out was supposed to. So, but having watched it, um, I don't know why I thought of it because I was like, I guess that's maybe that my frame of thought. It's like I may not like something now, but if I go back to it and try to re-review it and give it a fair assessment. That's I guess that's where I'm at. Maybe they'll be me and Candyman. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You said you watched it three times, right? No, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm sure I did. So, um, yeah, you might like Candyman again. We should actually watch it together. Um, so, yeah, there's just dialogue in the movie. The dialogue is great. The music, there's little, little inst- instances of music that I caught me. So I downloaded the soundtrack. Um, the songs aren't that great, but there are a couple that are catchy enough to be good. Especially the end theme. The end theme is great. But so I'm just gonna uh, play the. I'm just gonna go through these, and we'll kind of talk talk about it as long as we go. And I'll just kind of get to my point. So all the Texas time at all the Texas Chainsaw Massacres come with a disclaimer at the beginning, usually, or mm-hmm. like the little diatribe thing. This one's no different, but it, this one's probably the worst. Here we go. August 18th, 1973. News of a bizarre chainsaw-wielding family. Reports which were to ignite the world's imagination began to filter out of central Texas. 
Regrettably, not one of the family members was ever apprehended, and for more than 10 years, nothing further was heard. Then, over the next several years, at least two minor yet apparently related incidents were minor. reported. Then again, nothing. For five long years, silence. <laughs> yep, that voice. Dude. Alright. And then there's like this little, there's this little stupid like line from a just throwaway character, but Hey, Charles, I think you're chasing the wrong tail there, buddy. <laughs> oh, my God, where have you been? We've been waiting. The wedding's going on inside. We need to put you on the top tier. Don't mind the footprints and the icing. I'm excited. They look good. It's like a vest thing. I fucking hate kids. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny. That guy sounds gay. But, like, a few minutes later, he's, like, talking about something else, about doing something with a chick. And I'm like, okay, what are you, man? <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> and then this, this next part is really... This is probably one of my favorite parts because it's just so dumb. It didn't need to be in it. But like this just actress. She's only in it in this part. And she just, she, she chews the scene. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> here. Miss Abbott, did Barry come through here? Barry? Oh, Barry. <laughs> Didn't you break up? No. This is Heather, by the way. Well, never mind. I just thought. We'll get to her in a second. Forget. She's doing it again. This check is the. She just does that to make trouble. Okay, it's obvious. It's so <laughs> what are you talking it's about? Obvious. Don't even listen to a word she says. She's just trying to make trouble. All that, all that, all that, all that. It, it's just. She's such a bitch. Yeah. To today, Junior. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so weird watching her emote. It's it's great. I mean, it like she 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 fucking did it. I mean, she committed to doing that acting. It's 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 good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. then, <laughs> for real. And then we meet Barry. Barry. Oh, shit. No shit. I'm making up another girl. Shit. Didn't think I get caught. Yeah. Don't worry about it, Barry. She'll be back. That's really what you want. And Barry, I consider the poor man's Ben Affleck. <laughs> Cause he, and he's like the worst actor out of the whole bunch because like his dialogue is just so like fast and to the point. It's like he just, he, he's not acting. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. He's not. Girls got tits. <laughs> I didn't get that, <laughs> but I got all his other shit, so. What you're so pissed off about? Barry, I saw you. You were kissing her. Once. Oh. I kissed her once. I guess we should talk about what's going on. So uh, it's a prom setting. Heather and Barry are there together. Well, Barry's with a bunch of people. Um, and then, <coughs> shit, what's her name? Uh, shit, what's her name? Uh, Ren- no, not Ren. That's her real name. Where are my notes? Oh, here it is. Uh, bah, bah, bah. No, that's not it either. There it is. Jenny. Renault Zayward is played by Jenny. No, James Piper, <laughs> Zellweger. And um, her boyfriend, Sean, which is another throwaway character. So um, They're all at prom. They're not there together, which I thought originally when I first saw this movie or put two and two together, but they just so happen to be together because Heather steals Barry's car to drive away because she's pissed at him. And they're driving away. And in the back seat, there's uh, Jenny and Sean. <laughs> 
So then, then you get all this. What's wrong with that? Come on, it's like I can't even talk to my friends anymore. I can't believe how possessive you are. Oh, right. I guess that's why you were feeling her up. Look, guys need sex, okay? It's bad for you to get all worked up and then not get it. You can get prostate cancer. Is that what you want? That's a lie. <laughs> And then, yeah, um, Jenny was in the back seat. <clears throat> Which, if you see Jenny, there's no way she's in the back seat with a boy. <laughs> I don't know. I probably could have got her in the back seat. Dude, she is fucking hot in this movie. I, both of those chicks are hot. And even that chick that was like, Renee Zellweger's hot? She's such a, such a, such a bitch. I'm like, oh, you're beautiful. Um, yeah. Dude, uh, yeah. Dude, right. so many different scenes. I mean, I have a thing with chicks and glasses, so that might be the thing. She's so annoying. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Dude, I love her in this. She's Just keep going. Okay. <laughs> All right, car ride. I'm dead. I'm so fucking dead right now. Oh, man. You can't get cancer from not having sex. Oh, right. Like you'd know. Never a date in your life. You're so ugly. <laughs> not. Sean. Yeah, Sean, she's not. He's just trying to make you think it's your fault. Look, my father's a doctor, okay? I think I know what I'm talking about, so fuck you, Jenny. <laughs> it's true. It is my fault. I want to have sex with him. That doesn't make it your fault. Yeah, but what if he gets cancer and all his hair falls out from all the drugs or something? And it could happen. Yeah, Jenny. Some weird might still work. I don't know. No, that's just the line to get you to have sex with him. Ask Sean. This is such a right. great acting. He's never had a heart on him in his life. I know all his lines. He lived across the street from me till the eighth grade. Shut up, Sean. We were even friends before he got too cool. So fucking annoying. Hey, it's not my fault you turned out to be such a little geek. He used to come over to my house all the time, and he'd be laughing about all the girls he'd built up. His big line was to tell them that his father was a doctor, and that they could get breast cancer if they didn't get felt out. Mary! Okay, I lied. Big deal. Man, that's a good line. Now that I think about it. (laughs) What's your problem, Jenny? Just because you hate guys. He's just trying to change the subject. What are you afraid of? That they might try to fuck you? No. It's not like it's a big secret. What? Ask anybody. Never go to parties, you never go anywhere unless you were Sean. Everybody knows that he's a little pothead and all you are is friends. By the way, I know what you're doing in my car. You're getting stoned. If my dad smells your I shit could tomorrow, smell it. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Why aren't you I out there with him? So cool. What if we got into a wreck and we crashed into a car in front of us and we all died? They could write a song about it. Shut up. <laughs> I originally thought she said we could write a song about it. That's why I thought he said shut up. <laughs> but <clears throat> all right, so they're they're your characters. Um, <laughs> they're awesome. All right, so let's see. It ain't no okay. <clears throat> right off the bat, so we're gonna skip ahead. We're kind of foreshadowing, but Matthew McConaughey play, plays uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Vilmer. I don't know why I keep forgetting all these names. I'm getting. I'm starting to feel a little tipsy, but I'm not tipsy, but I don't drink a lot. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whoa! Then a drink it shall be. All right. Um, Matthew McConaughey. He's he goes so far over the top with his character, um, but he's channeling the the guy from Part Three, the gas station attendant, and kind of the uh, Viggo Mort- Mortensen character a little bit too, and. Chop Top and the Cook. So he's kind of playing an amalgamation of four different characters. And plus, he's like over the top of it. Oh, before we go off, um, Kim, Hemp- Kim Henkel wrote and directed this, who was part of the original. So 
I have a weird, there's some kind of weird like backstory to all this too. It's like, I feel this was a competent movie. It just wasn't, there was just, there, there just wasn't something back behind it. Um, case in point, I want to say Return of the Living Dead is another movie that if you actually look at the content of the movie, that movie should not be as good as it is. It should just be a stupid, cheesy movie because it is. I mean, you got a zombie coming up going, brains, and you got like one on a table. You know, it's like they're talking to it. It's a yeah. fucking sci-fi movie. But the way it was shot and the dialogue and the characters, it made it what it is. And um, I can't say the same for this movie, but Matthew McConaughey did go over the top with this character and it, it 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 worked well with the craziness of the plot in the first place so um so basically the kids they get in a, they hit another car and the guy gets out and goes i'm okay and that's what that's the guy's name yeah that's the character's name i'm okay <laughs> so he passes out and they uh jenny heather and barry go off to find some help while sean stays behind with the guy and um, Heather, shit, I forgot her name. Jenny and um, Barry all come up to. Uh, they find Denise, or not Denise. Um, what's her name? Der- D something, right? Uh, Darla. Darla played by uh, Tony Perinsky. I know I've seen her in something else too, but her character is fucking awesome. It's like. Like, when you watch these movies, like, for the first time, and you're kind of introduced to the characters, you don't know who they are at first, and you don't know what side they're on, all that kind of stuff. goes back to the first movie when um, Sally meets the the, uh, the gas station guy. Mm-hmm. You know, she thinks she's going to be safe, you know, blah, blah, But then he turns out to, and it's just a big, everyone's against her from then on. Same thing kind of here. It's like, you don't, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this, sorry. I guess I'm trying to like sell people on something that sucks, but yeah, you are. <laughs> um, so uh, they meet Darla, and she calls the tow truck, which is um, Vilmer, and you get this because he meets up with Sean. It ain't no You're biggie. <laughs> Boy's dead. No, he's not. He's just passed out. I said he's dead. But he was just talking, like talking in his sleep. Is that right? He told me all yeah. the secrets that he keeps. And snaps his neck. He's dead now. <laughs> well, I don't even think about running off down that road. I think I do you damn bit good. I can tell you that right now. What are you going to do? Well, first, I'm going to kill you. It ain't no fucking biggie. <laughs> of course, it's different for every individual. I love that. First, I'm going to kill you. Oh. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Oh, yeah. Angela dancing. Um, yeah, so this is the part that I... Like, Sean was okay up until then, but then, like, this part. Because he just... He's, he's out of breath, hunched over, and the truck's just next to him. The guy could just got out, yeah. grabbed him. And he's just looking over. This is what he says. It's so fucking... You tired yet, boy? Please, mister. You're scaring me. You just killed someone. Yeah. You're scaring me. <laughs> Let's just say you're shit out of luck, son. Just tell me what I can do. Give me a chance. 
Oh, we ain't even having fun yet, son. <laughs> run, run, run! Swing, ride. Come back to Papa now. Okay. <laughs> so he runs him over. Multiple times. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. Um, no, it was. like the, just, It kind of gives you a perspective of the mentality of the guy. He's, he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. But he's ready to rock and roll. You didn't play that cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it got too loud. Oh. Too much car noise. All right. So um, Jenny, Heather, and Barry are with Darla, and she sends them on their way. Sorry I can't give you all a ride. That record will be long before you know it. Oh, but the thing, too, uh, we'll get to this, too, but um, the ga- the original gas station from the original is right next to where she is. And they're kind of alluding to the cook being, or the, you know, mm-hmm. the original guy. I know what you mean. So, it's pretty cool. And even they even have a blue pickup truck that's, like, parked, so it's, like, kind of like part two. Thanks for calling for us. Yeah, thanks. Oh, hey. Don't you worry about that old boy that drives the wrecker. He talks tough, but you just tell him how the cows eat the cabbage and you won't have any trouble. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Hey, what about the service? Oh, the cows eat the cabbage. You'll just be just fine. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, he is liable to shoot first and ask questions later. Hey! See you, you old fart! And then... Uh, Barry and Heather get separated from shit, Jenny. I just act that way sometimes to get people to like me. You get a little backstory of Jenny. She's not a complete bimbo, but maybe she's not. All those stories about murderers and people following me, I know it's not true. It's better than being bored. I'll tell you what's stupid is that line you gave me about you and that girl Brenda. I even a little kid would believe that. Jenny, that bitch, she started this whole thing. It's all her fault. You'd like to think. I'll tell you what it is. I'm a bitch. I'm just like my mother. She can't stand my father. But she stays with him because she wants a certain kind of life. I don't care what anybody thinks. It's still the best way to get it. What's wrong with that? Forget it. Okay, fine, but you should have said something. It pisses me off that you let me go on like this. It's embarrassing. I told you I'm a bitch. (laughs) Get over it. (laughs) At least I'm being honest. Uh, Oh, yeah. There we go. Hello? Must be death. Hey, is anybody in there? Maybe they're out back. (laughs) Go check. Hey, I have an idea. Why don't I go check? Bitch. <laughs> and then you meet uh, W.E. I can't remember what his name stood for, but he was he's kind of like kind of like the gas station attendant guy from part three, in a way. Kind of like a side character, brother of mm-hmm. some sort. <clears throat> uh, oh, another thing about Leatherface in this movie. <clears throat> I guess this is what I really didn't like about the movie up until now is that they played so heavily on the cross-dressing aspect of it 
Because in the original, like, they had that one mask that had, like, the lipstick. Right, and the blue. Yeah, so they're like, oh. Eyeshadow or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, like, they're trying to play up the Ed Gein thing more in this one with, uh, you know, him cross-dressing like that. And I, I, I do now have a thought of back when I first watched this. I was like, I hated how much he screamed. Because he was constantly screaming. Whenever he would, like, see one ever, like, the action was going on, he was just like, ah! 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 And I was just like, oh, my God, I hate this fucking Leatherface. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, there's only a couple scenes with him of any kind of significance. Because this movie is really not even about Leatherface. If you actually sit and think about or watch it. No, like, he's not in it very often. Yeah. And he's, he's a side character. <clears throat> so, but the big thing about it is that, um, yeah, there's scenes where he's, like, dressing up. And, like, there's a scene where he's, like, putting on perfume, putting on the skin and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think that's what subconsciously when people see any kind of images from this, they see that version of Leatherface and they're like, eh, what's that? And it's not a traditional thing. Like, they would rather just go watch a different Texas Chainsaw Massacre version. And <clears throat> to tell you the truth, like, I, I was off put by it too. I was like, this kind of sucks. I don't like him looking like this. Like, I like, I think three look good, but two is like the best and blah, blah, blah. So, whatever. Um, but, uh, what was I getting at? So, yeah, I liked, I liked when he grabbed, uh, <clears throat> Heather and he was wrestling with her and stuff and like, you know, a lot of the and a lot of this movie retread things from their past movies. Like it's an amalgamation, basically. Yeah, of, there's a lot. Yeah. So and you can tell, and obviously, you can tell um, Matthew McConaughey got he actually watched those movies, so that's what he based out his character on. So uh, the scene where Leatherface grabs Heather and like puts her in the cooler, but then she keeps like busting out and stuff, and he's like, it's like, but the way he was doing it, like the way they were wrestling around it. That was some physical acting. So I'm, I'm, I commend both those actors for you know that, especially the chick. Uh, I give her a name. See, Heather was played by Lisa Newmeyer, which I think I've seen her in something else too. She's really pretty. I just thought her dress kind of sucked because it was like so loose and weird. It's mm-hmm. like you're at prom, aren't you wearing something like more elaborate? Yeah. Anywho, so. Uh, yeah, Heather and Barry end up... Oh, yeah. I gotta play that part. Uh, Bonafide? Yep. Hold it right there. It's okay. We had a wreck. All we want is a ride. You better not shoot me, mister. There's a man that shot a kid who was wrapping his house and they got him for murder. Okay. I propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer. What That's line? S. Grant. He made a line you probably didn't know that, did you? <laughs> course you didn't because you're a bona fide moron come poking your nose around here where it don't belong yeah so he plays like a stereotypical southern get off my property gun toting yeah uh bona fide moron all right so domestic violence all right so this is a long this is a two minute clip but this kind of sets up like the homestead um heather had already i think she already escaped she got hung up on a hook a la the first movie but she escaped <clears throat> but then Darla found her and brought her back and uh, what's her name? Jenny Jenny's already in the house because um, 
Matthew McC- or um, Vilmer found her on the road, blah, blah, blah. But then she got away from him. Then Leatherface found her and blah, blah, blah. So it's a lot to this movie. <laughs> Actually, there's nothing to this movie. But, um, all right. So this is a glimpse into Darla and Vilmer's relationship. After she brings over some drive through pizza. You having a bad day, huh? Why are my batteries not charged? Don't he tell you? Hmm? Son of a bitch, I tell you what, I told him to let you know that I was on my way for pizzas on the way home and he didn't tell you and I'm sick of it. Look what your brother did to this door. Nobody gives a damn about that door. Hey, mister. Fuck that door. You're the one causing problems. Ever since you got here, but nothing but trouble. Nobody gives a damn. I'm the one that pushed things together here. It was fine before you cursed. Dude, I love Matthew McConaughey in this movie. I'm sorry. He's so good at this character. So stupid. It's like <laughs> you don't think the FBI has its place under twenty-four hour surveillance? <laughs> you don't think there's transmitters in all these walls? <laughs> Let me ask you one question. Are you having fun here? Oh, God. Because I promise you, I promise you, you and I are gonna have some fun. Oh, no, no, please, no. What's my fucking name? No, no, no. What is this? I don't know. What is I don't this? know. I don't. Oh no. Do you think all I want to do is kill you? I don't know. You goddamn right you don't. <laughs> Why don't you just try to relax, honey? I know it's hard. Why don't you mind the fucking business? <laughs> Then it gets really abusive, too. He's like, basically, he slaps Darla down. And he's like, stepping on her neck. And that's when um, Jenny finds a, actually gets a hold of a gun. And she's like, pointing the gun at him. Vilmer's just like, shoot me! And he's like, putting the gun in his mouth. Yep. And there's a good Tuscan Raider invitation. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, he's so good in this. I mean, I hated it before. But now that I see it, it's like, wow. I mean, he, he went all out in this fucking role. I mean, that's the thing about movies. It's like. You know, I don't know. But let's see what else. Domestic violence. So Darla gives the whole plot here. Why Leatherface and Vilmer are even in existence, apparently. And this is another thing, too. I think this is where, like, it all went wrong. I think this might actually be why the movie got um, delayed. Because of the subject matter. And that um, Kim Henkel was trying to tell his, his version of this story. But people didn't want to hear his story i don't know it's i'm just thinking too deep into the shit but here's what darla has to say about why they're doing what they do there now how's that feel better look at you really pretty you know what i have got this dress that i have never even worn and it would be perfect on you Oh, you're scared. I just don't want to die. 
course you don't. Will you help me? Get up in there. <laughs> hey, you just hush up yourself. It's just girl talk. He's not near as bad as he seems once you get to know him. It's just this really? job. <laughs> he's, he's fucking nuts. Just job to kill people. Well, I really shouldn't be telling you this, but you know how you always hear these stories about these people who run everything, but nobody knows who they are, right? Well, it's true. I mean, I never would have believed it, but it's all true. I mean, who do you think killed Kennedy? The government? No. Government stuff is bullcrap. It's these people. And they've been doing this kind of thing for like a thousand or two thousand years, I forget which. And nobody, I mean nobody, knows their names. And that's who Vilmer works for. So, yeah, um, what was I going to say about Vilmer? Fuck, I forgot. <clears throat> But yeah, uh, so you got all the Illuminati stuff. And that's another thing, too. I remember watching this back in the day. I'm like, what is, what the fuck are they talking about? And even, like, the the, um, the dude, the Rothman, uh, that comes up in a second. Uh, there's a reason why he's named Rothman. But he he's, like, the one of the main guys. And when you're first watching this, like, especially as a teenager, you're like, this businessman just comes to their fucking house and is their boss and then all of a sudden he leaves it's like what just happened mm-hmm. it's like the helicopter falling through the roof and demons it's like what the fuck happened here so obviously it's what darla said it's like a big plot it's like these people that rule the world and i don't know why it, the texas is a people are part of it so <laughs> it's weird but i don't know it's a it's a cool subplot i guess but it also plays awesome at the very end because um, the very ending always pissed me off because I'm just like, can you say something? Can you not leave it ambiguous like this? But I like how they did it because for a true fan, you would know. You know, like you saw Sally going by on that gurney. And um, I even think that cop was someone from the original too. But um, but yeah, it kind of, it, it ties the in. The guy pushing the gurney was Franklin. Franklin? Was mm-hmm. it? Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. So, uh, bah, bah, bah. the Illuminati. Okay, get the get that. Oh yeah. So then, the ve- this is the very end. It's like after the dinner scene, which happens in every fucking movie, except three. I think three didn't have a dinner scene. No, it did. It's, all, it's the same movie every fucking time. <laughs> so, um, after the dinner scene, uh, Jenny gets away, and she's blah blah blah. And this is after the Rothman guy comes in and is like, this is very appalling, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, here we go. Oh, yeah. Another thing we got to mention about Vilmer. He's got this weird leg that's like metallic or like mechanical. Like he's mechanical, got like, air compressed. Yeah. It's got hoses on it. <laughs> it's got fucking everything on it. It's pneumonic, man. CO2 cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he controls them with like just TV controllers. It's, it's weird. But it's a, it's a plot point. Whatever. That's all those noises. Get that bitch! Go! (laughs) 
And then he and Leatherface chase Jenny down. And uh, here we go. Thank you, Mrs. Spotted. It's a beautiful morning. Don't stop, don't stop. So yeah. Then uh <clears throat> you get another, you get a scene from part two, uh a camper with the old la- uh, the old people and Jenny driving side by side with a the truck. Another face hanging out the, out the side, you know, trying to hit the side of the camper. Mm-hmm. Flips the camper. Uh, Jenny gets away, but then all of a sudden, this fucking crop duster plane, yeah. <laughs> straight out of that one Alfred Hitchcock movie. What's that movie? Uh, I can't remember. North by Northwest. Yeah, <laughs> it just swoops down and kills Vilmer. Yep. <laughs> and it's Leather- the government. <laughs> the Illuminati. Yeah, but then they picked him. Uh, picked her up. Like the limo, like pulled up next to her, just like. So she gets in the limo, drives away. Well, Leatherface does his chainsaw dance, but it's more of a spin, a screaming spin. And it's kind of dumb. Uh, my apologies. Oh, yeah. So this is Rothman after he picks up Jenny. It's been an abomination. You really must accept my sincere apologies. It was supposed to be a spiritual experience. I got a fucked up stomach with piercings. I I suppose it's something we all live with. People like us who strive for something, a a sense of harmony. Perhaps it's disappointment that keeps us going. La raison d'être. Unfortunately, it's never been easy for me. One of my many failures. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. Would you like to go to the local hospital? Or to a police oh, station? Oh, I love this DVD. You can have these, actually. <laughs> no, I don't no, for real. You can have them. Oh, man. You're I think I knocked you out. Oh, you did. Oh, I'm good, I think. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so that's the whole plot. And then they drive her to the hospital, apparently. And then you get the last part, so here's this. You know, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. Miss? Miss? We will find out what this is all about. Yeah, sure you this will. Is not the end of it. Miss? Miss? Do you know who that is, Miss? Miss? What the hell is going on around here? <laughs> Perfect line for the movie. Yep. <laughs> the hell is going on around here? Oh, yeah. Shit, I'm going to play that. This is Leatherface going crazy. That was a great recap. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I know I've actually played Alfred in this show. Um, I love I love this movie because it's it's stupid. It's just very stupid, but it's got some great stuff in it. Like Matthew McConaughey 
plays an awesome fucking psychopath in this. He's channeling other characters from other movies. But it's good. And plus, it's just like... I don't know. Just the visceral... Everything you're seeing on the screen doesn't make any sense. But that's the that's the whole glory of it. It's like... I don't know. I can't really... I can't... I can't... I can't... She's such a bitch. <laughs> All right, so... I'm going to give this a... I would have given this like a 1 or a 0 like 10 years ago. But I'm going to give it a 4. Oh my god. Yeah. Because I like it. I I really like it now. So... <laughs> There we go. All right. <laughs> so my first time watching this movie, uh, middle school, and I rented it from a Hollywood video, mm-hmm. and it was VHS. Wait, the one in Alpine? No. Oh, shit. What one did you rent it from? Uh, 11th Street? Streamwood. Oh, oh yeah. Cause you li- okay. Yeah, I lived out there for a while. So uh, it rented from there, and I was really excited for the movie, and I watched it, and I what the fuck did I just watch? Mm-hmm. Made no damn sense. The what annoyed me the most was Jenny, and then her like getting caught escaping, getting caught escaping. And you think, okay, she's great, and then she escapes again, and it's like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? It just didn't f- feel like the other three movies, mm-hmm. um, because of the story behind it. Um, me- when I watched it the first time, I really hated Matthew McConaughey's character. Mm-hmm. When I watched it recently, because we were going to do the show, I appreciated him more in it, um, especially with the characters he went on. He went on and did uh, later, and I have a whole thing about that. Um, I love when characters do a um, a role that is completely off what they normally do. Mm-hmm. And it just speaks to their uh, abilities, their abilities, and and the fact that they'll they'll actually do those roles. Um, You're talking about like the one where he emaciated himself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, so he he did he did great with it, um, but <laughs> but I st- I still this is not one of those movies where I I just want to have it on in the background or I could watch it on a regular basis like I can other movies. Um, I couldn't, but I can now. That's that's what I'm know. saying. So Maybe I'm I'll sure. get that. <laughs> yeah. um, this so, movie's a one for me. Okay. <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey's what saved it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. Like I've, 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 I've had that same exact mentality. Like I even didn't even want to own the DVD. I owned it once and I sold it and I was like, I'm never buying this shit. I, don't, I hate this fucking movie. But, yeah, like there's just little things about it that are appealing to me. I think the thing that really like uh, got me when I first watched it was I was really looking forward to Leatherface mm-hmm. and the Sawyer family. They're not even called the Sawyer family; it's like the Slaughter family, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And um, there's like no Leatherface in it, and the Leatherface that is in it, he's just like you said, screaming, um, has no um, big roles in it, so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's like voidless of Leatherface. Um, he, uh, oh yeah, but I think we did mention that it was uh, Sally on the gurney at the end. Mm-hmm. But in the credits, they mention her as unknown, or yeah, they they don't mention her unknown or something like that. 
It's like, we all know who it is. This song's cool. It's like very, the end credits. It's not much more than this, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Welcome to the bar mitzvah. This makes it, yeah, this <laughs> just makes the movie that much better. I don't know. I like it. But th- it's got a whole soundtrack. Um, it was never released or anything. It's just you had to put it all together. But, yeah, there's some decent songs on it. <clears throat> um, kind of products of their time, I guess. All right. So that's Texas and Massacre 4. Uh, and next, and the last thing, The Ninth Configuration mm-hmm. by William Peter Blatty. Oh, by the way, <clears throat> I didn't get the sound clip because it's in the trailer. And this is a very important part of like the di- There's so much dialogue in this movie that I, I didn't sound clip a lot. I only got like maybe a couple. Because <clears throat> I'd rather people watch this movie. Um, take what we say, you know, just in passing and watch it yourself and get your own thoughts from it. But um, maybe you watch it before you, no, I don't know what I'm saying. Stop the show, go watch it and then come back and listen. But um, it's, uh, all right, I'll just play the trailer. Captain Cacho, Benson. In order for life, spontaneously on Earth. There first had to be hundreds of millions of protein molecules of the ninth configuration. Vincent. But given the size of the planet Earth, do you know how long it would take for just one of these protein molecules to appear entirely by chance? Vincent. Roughly 10 to the 243rd power, billions of years. And I find that far, far more fantastic than simply believing in a God. So, yeah. Um... Ultimately, what this movie is about, it's basically a crisis of faith thing. It's almost just like The Exorcist. It's where you have uh, characters who are thinking so deeply into life that, you know, uh, the main character, um, write it down, Scott Wilson plays, uh, oh my God, I didn't write these down. Fuck. Uh, Scott (laughs) Wilson plays Captain Billy. Billy. uh, uh, Kuching? Yeah. So basically, what's about is that character. Um, he's in a basically an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a uh, military insane asylum from for uh, vets um, from from basically from going crazy in war time. Uh, they mention uh, v- the Vietnam War mostly, but um, so he, this uh, his character, uh, the Billy character, he was an astronaut. And right before he was launching into, into space, he went crazy. Or, like, they say he went crazy. And that's, a, that's one of the main things in this movie is, like, you never really know if he's, <clears throat> if he's acting 
But, I mean, they allude to it, and he even alludes to it, so I guess we kind of can make that assumption, but we're kind of, like, left to think that he's he's crazy, you know, from a visual standpoint. Um, and with everyone else there. I mean, there's so many actors in this movie. Uh-huh. Like Joe Spinell. Yep. Um, Jason Miller. Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins. <laughs> Neville Brandt. Miller time. <laughs> Stacy Keach. Um, and uh, I don't know the guy's name, the guy who played the priest in um, Exorcist 3. Tom Shaw? Tom Shaw. Okay, yeah. It has uh, Robert Lo- Logia, Logia too, also. So, yeah, it's it's this movie, if it would have had, um, what's his name, Scott? George, George C. Scott. Scott. Oh, oh, fucking amazing. It would have been an amazing movie. <laughs> you would have gotten eight stars. <laughs> so. You're not crazy. <laughs> Yeah, he was an amazing as the no brain. So, and William uh, Blatty actually plays a character in this too. So, um, and something I want to make a side note too is that I think this movie has a lot to do with Blatty's life in general because I don't know what he did in the military, but I I watched this um, clip recently about someone talking about how <clears throat> The Exorcist was supposed to be some kind of weird like psychological thing. And obviously it is, but uh, the way Blatty did it is because he knew how to how to um, uh, attack someone's um, like mentally. He knows how to like because I mean, he was a psychiatrist or psychi- psychologist, psychiatrist in the military, <clears throat> just like the character um, that the Shaw plays, um, Kane, um, the real wait. Was it? Was he killed? No, Killer Kane was his brother, Stacy Keach. He is a uh, had. Oh my god, I can't remember. I've watched this movie like thirty times, <laughs> but it's always kind of in passing. And then also, like when I do sit down to watch it, I just get enthralled with it. I never, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't look up information about it. I just kind of form my own thought. But uh, <clears throat> so it's about all these people, and they they're all kind of crazy. Like there's this one guy who thinks he's Superman. Uh, Jason Miller, he's trying to put on this. Uh, he's trying to do a Shakespeare play. Yeah, play, but with uh, dogs. <laughs> he's only got one dog. Um, and then Billy, the the main character, he's he hams it up. But I think that's the whole point of his character is like he's trying to pretend like he's crazy, just to get out of any kind of um, ramification of him not doing his duty in the military. And he's a high-ranking... I mean, if you're an astronaut, you're high-ranking in the military anyway. So it's... I don't know how that works, but... Um, so basically, the movie Stacey Keach comes to uh, be a psychiatrist to these men in this uh, nut house. This nut mansion. It's a castle. Castle. Fucking... Yeah, castle. The very be- the very opening shot of the movie, you see Scott Wilson sitting at a... And this play- plays that, aw- that fucking horrible song. <clears throat> San-, San Antonio. I don't know who does it, but... It's it's an AM Gold type song. I fucking hate that kind of music. I hate James Taylor. I can't, I can't do that music. And you know what's funny is I love going to this place called Hidden Treasures. If anybody lives in Illinois or Lowe's Park area, Hidden Treasures is fucking awesome, like antique store or whatever. You can find me there almost every Sunday. But the bad thing about that place is they play this fucking music all the fucking time. And I, I'm like, God damn, I don't care about James Taylor. Fuck. It's all the, uh, anyway. I hate AM Gold. All right, so um, yeah, so Stacey Keach comes in, but 
I'm just going to kind of spoil it. A, no, should we spoil it? Let's let's I, try not to spoil it so people can kind of get this because there's. I mean, it did come out in 1980, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the main thing is Stacy Keach comes to be a psychiatrist, and he's he's very sentimental and very like very caring. You can kind of get that from his character. You can tell he's haunted, and it even comes across for some dialogue from all the other characters because they're like. They can see, even uh, Billy, I think Billy can see right through him right away. And I think that's the main contention to all this is like, that's why he pushes him so far. He's like, I don't know. But I guess, uh, you know what? I'm so, you talk for a second. I'm so, <laughs> talking so damn much tonight. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, I love Jason Miller in this movie. I mean, <clears throat> the way he's acting, his craziness is one believable and two just get the fuck out of here (laughs) just think how hard it is to act like that you know what i mean and to to be believable with it he's just you can tell that he was traumatized by war Mm -hmm. another great thing about this movie is that it touches on individuals that were in war and that they do have problems and that there are people out there who are really trying to help them a lot of times you hear stories about people who come back from war, especially Vietnam War, and they, they really didn't give a shit about those kind of soldiers. They didn't get any kind of help. And um, this movie touches on that. So, um, Yeah, it, it's basically about the me- breaking of the mind. Right. And um, that's what does it. I mean, I've heard, I mean, all of us have heard stories about all that stuff. And to think about that, it's even still going on today, like the military. Like they send, you know, human, regular human. We can talk about like, because you have kids, you know. Would you want your kids to join the army? I mean, do I, I want them to? No, if they wanted to, I yeah. you know. I mean, it's their choice at a certain age and all that. So it's it's the thing. It's like, why do we even have something like that? And you know, it's to protect whatever. But you know, who's going to attack America? <laughs> but anyway, I guess what I'm saying is like the the treatment of all that because people didn't realize that. Even to this day, I mean, that's kind of like why we're at where we're at and like why there's so much triggering things and all that kind of stuff is because people don't talk about this stuff and they're afraid to talk about it because they don't feel like they can talk about it. And especially like people like that went to the war, they were considered villains. Like people, when they came back, people were like, you went and killed innocent people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I did my job, you know, blah, blah. Yeah. So there's, all, there's always something bad from a war. I mean, there, there still is. Even to, I mean, everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. but to touch on mental illness I mean like I, I've said this many times on the show before I know a lot of people me myself you probably have something everyone that we know has some kind of weird mental hang up and it's not always a direct effect of like that we're crazy it's just the environment we're around sometimes and or things we went through obviously our lives are a direct correspondent of who we've come, become and like you know, everything, uh, nurture and nature, whatever, whatever you want to, whatever psychology you want to put to it. People do break. And I know that a lot too. Like even with the pandemic that happened, like when people talk about stuff, they're like really conserved, conserved and like, or not conserved, but like a little more apprehensive about saying what they really want to say, you know, mm-hmm. and it's even more so now. So, um, but yeah, just, there's so much 
there's just so much shit out there. Like even like when we're having a bad day, that's something I always think about. Like I, I, I have bad days all the time. I'm depressed all the time. But I also stop to think about like how worse it could be. Or, you know, being in a country that you don't have any kind of freedoms, you know, it's like, <clears throat> it's hard to conceptualize this when you're in your own life and like right in it, you know, cause we don't, we don't ever get a time. We don't always get a chance to stop and smell the roses. And you know, that's another thing too. It's like, well, uh, some <laughs> going off on all these tangents. So yeah, it's about mental illness. And also it's a, it's a movie about crisis of faith because the Billy character, he's like, there's no God. And that's the part about the very beginning when they're showing the moon launch then they show him being carted off by uh, military police or whatever. He's like, there's nothing up there. There's nothing up there. And that can be either two things like that. There either was no moon to go to, which is a big uh, contention in life. And you know, like people still believe that we didn't go to the moon. I don't know. But then there's the other part too, about there not being a God. And like, if you're actually thinking about that, like you're actually to be an astronaut, you're getting ready to leave the fucking earth. You're getting ready to leave the fucking earth. And if anything goes wrong, you're never going to get to go back. You may, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? But to go off to something else that you know nothing about, there might be an alien up there that's going to eat your head off. Who knows? But, but just to be in that moment, away from all your friends, friends and family, everything you've ever known, you're going to something you know nothing about, Who's the fir- what's the first thing you're going to actually reach out to? It's like, you don't have anybody to talk to. You're, are you going to reach out to God at that moment? You know? It's like, mm-hmm. hey, God, um, if you're there, like, can you make this all happen and be good? You know, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's like kind of like the whole point of this. It's like, and it's even the point of The Exorcist with Jason Miller's character in that, Father Karras. Like, he had a crisis of faith because, <clears throat> I mean, he's in, I mean, his job was a clergyman. But all the things going on around in his life at the moment, like social stuff with his mom and all that, yep. um, it broke him, you know. And that, that that's to say to every human being on this earth, it's like it's it also goes along with agenda stuff. It's like people can't always think for themselves, and it's a shame, but it's a it's a truth, and that's why you have so many people that wear the same clothes, do the same things, just do the same thing that other people do because they don't know how to think for themselves. And that's why you need other people to help them. But there's other people that manipulate that too. Ah, okay, I'm just going off on all these fucking tangents. So, Jason Miller's fucking awesome in this. He's awesome in everything he's ever been in. Um, all these actors play the roles perfect. Um, all these actors, they seem very believable as nuts. Uh, who's that one guy? Shit, I don't know the actor's name. He's famous. He's in everything. He, he was the dude who did the blackface thing. I don't know if you know the actor. The blackface thing? Yeah, I remember... Um, in the movie, one of the characters, he starts doing the Al, Al Jolson mammy. Um, hmm. Maybe I can play. I don't know. But he, he's in blackface. And then that other character, the black guy, who, who thinks he's Superman, he was sitting there with his arms crossed watching him do this. Like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you know, like, because that, that's a cool part in this movie, too. And that's another cool thing about the movie in general is Peter Blatty was a playwright. He... At, he was a comedy writer before he did The Exorcist and wrote The Exorcist in this movie, too. And there's a lot of that in this. Like, even the dialogue between the characters, like the little stupid kind of insequential things, even especially the stuff between Joe Spinell and Jason Miller. Um, 
it's all like quick dialogue between like friends, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. that's what I've always loved about Blatty. It's like, he just knew how to write how people actually talk or like not, not so much that, but just like what they, I don't even know how to explain it. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I've always just thought he was like so intellectual and like, I remember watching the fear of God documentary and just like, just being memorized by how he talked. And maybe that's part of like who he is, like the psychology behind it. Maybe he learned how to manipulate people the way he talked. And I can even see that because, like, the way he would mannerism himself on that, the documentary, he's like, and, and then his piercing eyes. I think, like, that had a lot to do with, like, how. Anyway. I, th I got the, <laughs> that sense when I uh, did the audio book for The Exorcist. Oh. And he reads it. And when you hear him read what he was writing, it was so, like,. It, it was almost like, yeah, it put you there. Like, you were almost, like, in his mind as he was writing it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and he was doing the the conversations between the characters. So, um, yeah, he's, he, was he was a dynamic human being. That's mm -hmm. all I can say. So, and that's what reflects so much of him in this movie. It's like, um, that's, why I, that's why I'm a huge fan of Exorcist 3, like, between Kinderman and Dyer, like, their conversation. That's a great conversation just, too with those two. Yeah, in this movie, it's like, fuck, man. Let's talk about the scene, <laughs> the bar scene, the bar. Scene. Yes, <laughs> with Steve Stan Sander. Fuck. Oh my god, dude! When I watched that, I'm like, what am I watching right now? Did he literally just do the splits as this badass in leather and say, <laughs> drink it? You know, like. <laughs> Yeah. This yeah. guy was so over the top. It was awesome. It was over way over <laughs> the top. And yes, it was awesome. And yes, it was you felt so bad for the characters in that in that moment, but then there's justice. But um <laughs> I'm watching it like oh my god. Yeah. It's awesome. So we're just flash forwarding. So basically Stacy Keach's character, he um in the in the war, um there's a lot of atrocities, but the main thing is he chopped off a kid's head, a Vietnamese kid that he was fighting against, but the head kept talking to him. So that traumatized him. And then like another soldier found him and he was holding the head, blah, blah, blah. And they show the scenes in the movie too. And, but the thing about, uh, the Stacey Keach's character, Kane, is he's not, he's not that character. And, um, I also want to mention something about the walking dead <clears throat> really quick is that the governor, um, Philip Blake. Um, his real name is no, his name was Philip Blake, but his brother's name was Brian Blake. And um, in the in the novel, uh, before you you learned who the governor, how the governor became the governor, he actually took on the the persona persona of his older brother. And Penny, that little girl, was actually his niece. He just took over his brother's character. So. <clears throat> it, it was a really cool dynamic in the book and plus like they try to do it a little bit in the show but you know the show bastardized the book anyway so um but it kind of goes along with the mentality of it and i think maybe even kirkman got inspiration from this i probably not i'm probably drawing a lot from this but the fact that a mind can snap so much that it you become someone else because you just can't live that life anymore and um you know, I've I've been fortunate enough. Well, there's been times in my life where I have snapped and I've changed who I was. And 
I'm not sure, like, over the evolution of the listening to this show, if anyone's ever listened from day one, it's like, you know, I'm a different person than I was back then, too. Still, I still like the same shit, but it's like, we all grow as humans. And uh, that's the thing about movies that like this one, that, that make you think about things outside of just normal thoughts um, about how other people are. Like, um, like I was saying earlier about my myself in general, is like I have the mentality of like uh, Woodbury, you know, or not Woodbury, like Alexandria. It's like I accept anybody who they are, but if you're you're going to cause problems, I'm going to kick your ass. That's just, or I'm going to have someone kick your ass. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, get Steve Sander. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just get to that part. So, basically, the cat's out of the bag by then. So, the uh, Billy finds out that Stacey Keach's character isn't on the level. He's not who he is. So, he he's having an even more crisis of faith now. So, he goes off to, to a bar to j- drink his sorrows away. And that's where he meets up with the, the, um, the biker gang, I guess is what they are. The shirtless, leather vest... <laughs> ascot wearing <laughs> slightly queer guys yes so they um he goes in there and he's just sitting and they're all just hanging out and all of a sudden one the the leader apparently he's like hey man that's the astronaut guy and the other guy's like huh so like, yeah man so they bet each other that it's not and then they go hang out with them and just start trouble with them and then they start bouncing around but then Stacey Keach's character goes after him finds him in the bar and he goes in to defend him, or just to go get him first. But then they're like, no, no. And they just give him shit, too. Which, the end result of that, giving shit, is fucking amazing. You have to watch this scene. It's just, it. Stacey Keach plays... You can see the madness. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's an awesome scene. And, like, the visceral violence of it, it's... I don't know, it plays a good part in the movie. So... Um, and then they they go back, and then the uh, the police come to the castle to come get because he kills a bunch of people basically. Um, and then uh, Billy and Kane have a conversation, but then about like uh, if one of them dies first, let them know, let the other one know if God really exists. So that's like the next plot point of the movie. Um. Stacey Keach kills himself because the main thing of his character was he felt so guilt ridden about the war. And, um, there was a glitch in the system. That's why he had the out, um, his brother played by a Shaw. Um, he's the real, he's the real Kane or the real whatever Hudson and Stacey Keach is his bro- younger brother, but somehow he, they got mixed up and I don't know. It, that's another weird plot point in the movie. It's like, Oh, I got the sound clip. Let me play it really quick. It's my brother. Uh, let me play the inmate part too, because this is something we haven't really addressed. But how they talk and it's just like how weird they are. So. That's Neville Brandt. You know, I'd wish you'd do sincerely. Watch your elbow. Hey, Ma, throw on a quarter for the movies, please. Damn, son. There's no color in the air. What country is this? The Bronx. 
Rudolph Valentino hated cabbage. Tease cut! like three minutes long. I don't know what else I have on here. Toward the end of the war in oh. Vietnam, an unusually high percentage of American servicemen suddenly manifested symptoms of psychosis. Most of them were in combat or slated for combat and had no prior history of mental disturbance. These facts, plus the epidemic scope of the problem and the controversial nature of the Vietnam War, led American authorities to wonder whether many, if not most, of the men were faking. To probe the mystery, the government established a network of secret study centers and clinics. The last of these, number 18, was highly experimental in nature and was set up in an old abandoned castle in the Pacific Northwestern United States. Among its inmates was an astronaut who, during final countdown, had aborted a mission into outer space. Robert Browning had the clamp, and he caught it from Charlotte and Emily Bronte. Shut your mouth, you crazy bastard you don't want to hear the truth he caught it from both of them Shut up! it's kind of hard to <laughs> it's kind of hard to really pinpoint all these voices but um yeah they're just they just have all these little tech these little things they say that you really have to pay attention to kind of grasp the whole thing but yeah that's the that's the plot it's like and that I guess ultimately about the movie is like the atmosphere of it is like the thing that really made me catch caught my eye. Cause like if you're just watching, you know, you see these characters, you know, the actors, you know, you might be interested, but why are they in this fucking castle? And why are there Bella Lugosi posters and gargoyles everywhere? Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden you just, cause I remember the first time watching, it, I didn't hear it. I just kept looking over now and then I'm like, Oh, Tom Atkinson is cool. Maybe I'll watch it sometime. But then everything started happening. I'm like, what the fuck? So, and then, and then later I found out Blatty wrote it. I'm like, what the? And directed it. I'm like, wah! So I was off to the races. Yep. But yeah, this movie, I watch it. I watch it like, at least once a month now. You know, like I, it's, it's a part of my life now. I don't know. Like I just, there's something about it. And like I said, I think Blatty was like the big, the biggest <clears throat> selling point to it. Cause just the way he does things like the exorcist and the exorcist three in this movie, like, those are three of his things, and those are three of my favorite things. So it's mm-hmm. like, there's something there. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say to anybody listening, check this movie out. If you don't like it, I mean, that's that's your sensibility. But if you see the same things I'm seeing, maybe you have to watch it a couple times to see it, same way I did. But yeah, it's 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 a beautiful movie. That's all I can say. I, five out of five. <laughs> uh... I would say the same. It touches on a lot of great things. Um, it, I think a lot of people that can watch it could relate to it from a family member mm-hmm. or a story they may have heard from someone or that they knew, a friend maybe. Um, I mean, it's, it's William Blatty, so I mean, how can you go wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, the actors are great in it. It's got a great starring cast. Um, and it's it is it is a bit slow when you watch it at first, mm-hmm. but you know I'll give you that. But when you really watch it and you get into it, it's a, it's a really good movie. So I would do the same. I'd give it a five out of five. Um, there's not much more I can say about it. We pretty much talked everything on it, but yeah. 
We've been watch talking the bar about, scene. <laughs> yeah. And we've been talking back and forth about it for months now. We so have. We've been wanting to cover this October. for a long time. Yeah. So. Um, I'm just going to play this one last thing. It kind of gives the, the, the real backstory. If I, if I hadn't stated it that well here. This is uh, Shaw actually explaining what happened to Kane. On the edge of a very serious breakdown, and then... When Kane got the orders, he was planning a special forces camp just south of DMZ. By the time he got to the States, we'd, we'd caught the mistake, but by then it was clear he, he meant to go through with it. We'd been watching him. We heard, uh, we heard stories about his cracking. He seemed to be on the, on the edge of a very serious breakdown, and then some computer dropped a stitch and gave him a halfway out, a way to find help without facing his illness, a way to hide from himself, but mostly, mostly it's a way to wash away all the blood do penance for all that killing by curing. First, it was just a pretense, but on the way back from Vietnam, it developed into something more. His hatred of the cane who killed became denial and also projection. Someone else must have done all that killing. Then after a time, that denial became so strong that it totally obliterated Cain's identity. He suppressed the cane who was the killer and became the better self that's in all of us, completely. Except when he dreamed. We were experimenting, you see. He was on the inside looking out. An inmate functioning as a psychiatrist and coming to bear on the problem like nothing we'd ever seen before. Hope he'd come up with an answer, or at least some new insight. And I think he did. I think the men have been responding to him. He suffered a setback today and a bad one. You see, his, his only hope of finding a cure for himself is, is to wipe away the guilt by a saving act, by curing the other inmates. At least see some improvement. That takes time. Time and your help. Now, you've seen my orders, but I want Kane to play out the string. You understand that, Lieutenant Gilman? Yes. I'd like you to try to convince the other inmates that you were mistaken. That shouldn't be too hard to sell around here. Will you do that? Oh, yes, sir. Groper, Krebs, Christian, the others will back you up, so will I. Colonel. Let me get something straight. You've been in charge here all the time. That's right. Kane is uh, Vincent Kane. I'm Hudson. I'm a psychiatrist. Vincent is my patient. And when we uh, when we were kids, I used to make him laugh all the time. I was. I was the clown, you know. I've been trying to help him remember me, but he won't do it. He's my brother. 
It's like, yeah. That's the, I think we didn't know that up until then because he had a part where he broke down crying after like uh, he had been talking to um, uh, Kane and um, Billy and some other, one of the other inmates there. And uh, something happened. Then all of a sudden, like, because I think like Kane, the way he was talking, he didn't, he really, it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like you were saying, like if, if you were in that situation, it'd be so different. It's like you're trying to help your brother. I mean, you're trying to still do your normal job, but your brother is kind of inf- in that, you know, in that. So it's like you're, you're trying to give a little more help too. So I don't know. <clears throat> it's, it's a good movie. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> all right. Uh, I want to say one more thing about this. Uh, Warlock. Did you ever play that game for SNES or Sega Genesis? Yeah. You did? On uh, Sega. That was the worst version, but yeah, I had both of them. I I didn't play too much on a um, Super Nintendo. Oh. I didn't really have any friends that had one. I didn't have one. Um, so I never really got the pleasure of playing oh. a Super Nintendo. That's all right. I'm not going to be too harsh on you. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. But um, yeah, when I first saw this ad, I was like, man, I'm going to fucking get that game. I'm going to get the strategy guide and I'm going to. It wasn't that in depth. <laughs> I've got it and I was like, I think I beat it within a week. <clears throat> but anyway. Okay, I guess that's the end of the show. Um, did you have anything else you want to mention? I have a couple podcasts here. Let's see. Uh, no, I am good. Okay. This has been fun. Yeah, it's been fucking awesome. I, this has been a long time because, uh, like I said, I've been wanting to talk about Ninth Configuration forever. And, you know, just we needed to talk about the agenda shit. And if people don't agree with it, I mean, that's fine. Um, send, a, send a message and talk about it. That's, that's the whole point of this is to talk. Uh, Texas Masker, talky guy, I did. Oh, that's okay. Okay, so a podcast I listened to. Um, Tales from the Podcast. Um, every Friday night, uh, Justin has a co-host do a, they review episodes of pot tales from the crypt and movies. So, and I might be doing some artwork for him soon. We'll see. Uh, the Jim Cornette experience, which is a wrestling podcast. And, um, one thing about listening to that is, uh, I'm not going to, it's a good show. Uh, and then the Jim Brewer, uh, if remembers that comedian, Jim mm-hmm. Brewer, Jim Brewer, like you not, um, he's got, a podcast called The Bruniverse. It's fucking awesome. So check those out. And uh, if you want, check out Retro Retro Retro. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, videos now. or I've been, I've been doing a few video game things. And I'm going to be doing some more stuff. So I'm doing that on the side. And I'm doing artwork. But my main thing, everyone listening, listen. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, if you have time in your life, do it. If you don't, don't. Don't worry about it. But... I want to put out a book. I've been playing this book for a couple years now. And um, I'm still working on my comics. But for the book, I need to get backing for it. I mean, I could probably do it myself. But I don't know. I just need to, I just need to hear from people. Um, that's the thing. I've been talking about this for you know, a few years now. And I hear no feedback from it. This is the time where people need to start giving feedback. Because I don't know. I don't know you're out there plain and simple so all right uh if you want to see my art book let's get this shit going help help brother out (laughs) all right 
that's the end of the show. Um, hopefully, we'll be doing another one in a couple weeks uh, with a very special guest. Um, but yeah, I have things planned, so I'm just I apologize for not having them done. And for the people that have actually wrote in, uh, the Roadster and uh, Jake Antor. So, all right, I guess that's the end. I am Raven J. Take care, everyone. Oh, my kid banana. <laughs> yes. Silence. For 20 long years, Silence. nothing further was heard. 1995. Prom night. Isn't turn- Prom night's fucked. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Mike one. Mike two.